In the early 80s, I was living on Capitol Hill. Contrary to popular thought, I was not leading the wild bachelor life. I didn't really go to parties or clubs. But I loved movies, films. I would typically spend one or two evenings a week at the Circle Theater on Pennsylvania Avenue, with double features of classic films changing every two or three days. A double feature cost a buck. This was a haven for film buffs. I would look around the audience during pivotal scenes as we all silently mouthed dialogue in unison. Of all the gin joints in all the world, nature, Mr. Allnut, is what we are put into this world to rise above. The stuff dreams are made of. This is where I first saw Plan 9 from Outer Space, commonly, and perhaps unfairly, referred to as the worst movie ever made. At the funeral scene for Inspector Clay, you know, killed by a zombie infected by malicious aliens, we all mouthed the words of the solemn minister, Greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for another. John fifteen thirteen. Our scripture from John that Pastor Ed read for us today is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It energizes me and is at the core of my ministry. This passage grabs me from the opening words, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is huge. Jesus loves me for all my faults and failings. Through all of the times I haven't loved him, Jesus loves me, me, and I'm not alone. Karl Barth, renowned for his expansive 12-volume and 6-million-word church dogmatics, one of the 20th century's most important theological works, also prized this lesson. Lecturing at Union Theological Seminary down the road in Richmond in 1962, Bart was reportedly asked by a student to summarize his theology. His answer, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Six million words encapsulated in twelve simple words that many of us are taught as children. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. This might be a good time to drop the mic. Except, there is so much more here. The very next verse is the line in Plan 9. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So, Jesus loves me. Let that sink in. And Jesus will give his life for me. Jesus is speaking here to his disciples, his friends, shortly before his arrest knowing that his death is imminent, and knowing that he is about to give his life for his friends, the disciples with him, and me, 10,000 miles and two millennia away. Easter is almost here. And Easter puts these words into a completely different frame. No longer is Jesus simply talking about sacrificing one's life for a friend. We now know that he will sacrifice his life for humanity across space and time. With that sacrifice, Christ will end the finality of death. Death will come to us all. Our bodies will fail. We will die. 
But because of Christ's great love leading to his sacrifice, we will live after death. As Pastor Tier so eloquently pointed out last week, we are all afflicted by sin, and as a result, afflicted by death, because creation has turned away from God. None can escape it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Christ sacrificed, so sin and death no longer have a hold on us, on me. Jesus loves me without me doing anything, and simply because Jesus loves me, he sacrificed himself for my salvation. This is the gift, the free gift, of grace. And this may not even be the best part of this story. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 14 and 15. Take my breath away. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. I am Jesus' friend. Yep, it takes my breath away. Jesus, God, Creator, wants to be my friend. What does this friendship mean to you? How has it changed your life? Or has it? This isn't like a Facebook friendship, an Instagram follow, a LinkedIn connect. This is Christ wanting to be involved in every aspect of my life. And just as Jesus shared with his disciples, he shares with us. As a friend, Jesus does not merely listen to us, but instructs us, guides us, commands us. Commands us. Commands us to join in friendship, this intimate engagement of the Savior in our lives. We must follow that command at the beginning of this scripture. This is my commandment, that you love one another. To truly be in relationship with God, we must be willing to accept this command and love one another. Every other. This is difficult, and we will often fail. People are not easy to love. Not everyone is as lovable as Pastor Tear or Pastor Ed. Yet this is where that friendship that relationship with Jesus becomes essential. Christ not only commands us to love each other, but gives us the strength, the guidance, sometimes the energy to love each other, every other. Masks seem to be the new t-shirts. People express their creativity and views on these pieces of cloth that are helping to save all of those people we need to love. One of my go-to masks comes from the United Methodist Church. Emblazoned across the mask are the words, Love your neighbor. I've been surprised at the number of times someone has stopped me to comment on what a great idea this is, this love your neighbor thing, and surprised at how often this leads to a conversation about what a neighbor is and how tough some are to love. Think about a neighbor that is difficult to love in your life. And by neighbor, I mean human on this planet. How does Christ's love for you impact how you love those who look different, believe different, love different? Pam and I were walking Lola. 
our adorable Cocker Spaniel, a few nights ago and stopped to chat with neighbors walking their dog. Even though they live 15 miles from Mount Olivet, in this new online worship world, they attend our services regularly. I was asked for a preview of this sermon. It's about love. They reminded me that there is a large L-O-V-E sculpture in front of the Reston Metro Station, and our friends find inspiration and comfort seeing that sign when they pass by. Like many of you, I don't leave the house much anymore, but I deliberately drove by the love sculpture a couple of times while writing this sermon. I have to admit, it didn't exactly make me love the driver in the next lane anymore, but I did focus on the fact that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, and Jesus loves you. The Bible also tells me that Jesus laid down his life for me because he loves me. Jesus laid down his life for you because he loves you. And Jesus calls me friend, commanding me to love everyone, no matter how hard they are to love. And through our relationship, shows me how to love just as I am loved. Jesus calls you friend, commanding you to love everyone, no matter how hard they are to love. And through your relationship, showing you how to love just as you are loved. And oh, how he loves us, oh.